Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Without further ado, that's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. That again. Yeah, absolutely not. Let's the floor, let's go. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. I'm joined by my colleagues, professional better Raheem Palmer, who had himself a very nice weekend betting on wild comebacks and various numbers. Raheem, how you doing? Can't complain. Life is good. The only thing that, that bothered me about this weekend was go to state warriors, not handling business in game four. We all thought that that was going to be a dominant performance and they were going to get in and out like a robbery that didn't happen. So kudos to Nikola Jokic for not getting swept. So we don't have to hear about this ever again. I think he, he didn't deserve to get swept in that first round. So besides that, I'm good. Yeah. I'm glad that we have some evidence after a vote was cast on why a vote should have been cast and space time continuum. What a thing. Brandon Anderson, NBA futures analyst, Brandon, what are you most proud of from this weekend? Is it the cam Johnson? What's your, or is it the Grayson Allen? Grayson Allen, because Grayson hit both the games. Cam missed on the first one and just just eked over the line, but didn't go crazy on it. Grayson is like just taking us money in the first half and then just victory lapping around, making more threes in the second half with it and twice in a row now. So with the, the Middleton and Booker injuries and the, the injury replacement numbers have been kind. So yeah, somehow yesterday in the app, I managed to go two and nine on my bets with a plus 2.4 units. So thank you to... That's somebody, somebody, I forget who, someone on Twitter, after I won the Grayson Allen, like a plus five to one bet, someone said, Matt, colon, Brandon only likes to place big bets. And I was like, yeah, well, a couple of them hit. So I'm grateful yep. for a couple of big yep. hits this time. Yep. Talk <laughs> about the ROI. I can't knock it. I make fun of you for it, but you, I love it. He's absolutely- prime Adam Dunn. He might not have the best bet average, but he's going to get you them home runs, get you the RBI. Right. Give me that OPS. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get started. This is your Tuesday workshop. We're going to break down the slate in the NBA. We've got three games on the schedule, some really interesting games that we'll get into. Uh, I want to start because it's the most interesting one, I think, on the slate, actually. I want to start with the late game. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans are at the Phoenix Suns for game five. They suddenly tied 2-2 series. The Pelicans have won two of the last three games. Suns are six and a half point favorites. This opened at seven. The total opened 214 and a half. It's up to 215 and a half. Uh, we've got the tickets and money are coming in on New Orleans on the spread. Currently, the Suns are getting the majority of the money line, and we don't have this up long enough uh, to have taken over under in the Action Network app system. I will tell you 
that we are seeing again significant movement for the uh, for the over here. Although DraftKings opened two sixteen and the consensus was two fourteen and a half, so somewhere in that range is kind of of what we're looking at. Uh, obviously, no Devin Booker in this game. We made fun of Raheem Palmer for saying this was a coin flip and then not betting it. Raheem, you gonna bet it now? Because now you got to, you got all you need is your pels, your pellies to win. The, as someone put them on Twitter to me, the We Polivicans. That was a thing that was brought to me. <laughs> I like no. that. The We Polivicans no. uh, got to win two out of three to upset a number one seed. Are you betting the Pelicans in this game or in the series? I'm not going to bet them to win the series, but I did bet them in game four. And I think I'm going to come back on them in game five. I just think they're the better team. Look, I said this before. They have the two best shot makers in the series. That's Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum. We all love Chris Paul. He's one of the greatest floor generals of all time. But his weakness in these playoff series is that if he doesn't have a number one guy to go out there and score the basketball, he's a guy who's going to hold on to the basketball a ton, and he's not necessarily going to press his shot unless he can get that switch where he has JV. And in game four, you saw they weren't letting him get switches on JV. They had Nance in there a lot more. So, I mean, the Pelicans are still dominating the offensive glass. Like, it's, it's still a thing. They had a 41% offensive rebound rate in game four. Like, that's a thing. They got the two best shot makers in the series, and you're dependent on Chris Paul with a bunch of elite role players. I just think the six and a half points is way too much. I'm not going to play the Pelicans to win this series because, I mean, the Suns, they do have it at home. But I think they covered a six and a half. And maybe I might sprinkle a little bit on the money. One thing I noticed is that the uh, Suns are actually getting targeted with Chris Paul and switches. That's a very interesting wrinkle that I found. The two biggest weak points for pick and roll coverage for the Pelicans against the Suns are they are targeting Chris Paul. And they are uh, burning JaVale McGee whenever he plays drop. Those are the two biggest kind of advantages for them. Brandon, they got a the Suns got a net a negative net rating both in the last three games and for the series with Cam Johnson on the floor. They got a negative net rating in the last three games and for the series when Landry Shamit's on the floor. The guys that have actually won their minutes are like Campaign and Jay Crowder. Makes me a little bit nervous because the depth was supposed to be such a strength for the Suns. Do you have a play on this game? Do you have a read on this game? Yeah, I was surprised that Cam Johnson started these last two games. We talked about how in the season. With Devin Booker out, Cam Johnson was the guy that had the biggest game. He went from like 12 and a half points a game to almost 18 points a game. But he did that from the bench. He came off the bench in all those games. They started Landry Shamit. And to me, that's the adjustment that I want to see here. Not because Landry Shamit is better. That's not that at all. It's because Cam Johnson, I think, I, I want to see him in that bench role. They, they need some scoring punch off the bench. And campaign is not it right now. They need a lot of scoring punch everywhere. But to me, Shamit is, is his whole role is he's a movement shooter guy. He can be a more like for like Devin Booker replacement. And I think Cam Johnson is just going to be in a more familiar role off the bench, starting him as sort of thrown off the rotation. And we've seen that with Phoenix a few other times this year where when a guy went out, they, they adjusted, but like it took a second to kind of readjust to, okay, who goes where and who's which lineups go together and all that sort of thing. So I'd like to see their roles swapped a little bit. I'm still playing the Cam Johnson overs. On the, on the three-point shooting, he's just such a good shooter. And he's getting not huge volume, but he's getting enough, five, six, seven shots up. So I, I do worry, though. 
my theme is going to be the same on all three of these games today. My gut tells me that I think that the home team, the better team wins in a pivotal game. But my gut also does not want me to bet on them to cover, which then makes me think, okay, well then do I not actually believe in these teams quite as much as I think that I believe in them? I'm worried that the Suns just aren't scoring. They have 11 three-pointers the last two games combined. They had 15 free throws. They, they don't get to the line that much. That's not new for them. We got more minutes with Devontae Graham, and it didn't hurt their defense because the Suns don't have guys that can just punish them for that. We got minutes with Valanciunas and Nance together, and it, they got away with it. That's why the offensive rebound is smashing because they can't punish that. The Suns don't have guys who can punish matchups right now other than Chris Paul. And so I, I am getting worried that the Suns' two wins are by three and by 11. And the 11 point was they pulled away late. Basically, they've won twice because Chris Paul had an eight-minute master class in the fourth quarter in both games. So I'm leaning under here because I think that the Suns' best chance is to, to ramp up the defense, to cut down the free throws, and try to limit the scoring. However, this line, they've gone over it in three straight. So I, I think overall I'm kind of a, a stay away here because I think you can tell I'm, I'm conflicted on it. I can't make up my mind. So I, I want to kind of dive into the offensive rebounds issue because I think it's really fascinating. Um, so Pels are plus 22 in second chance points because I, I'm always getting to this, which is the four factors that Dean Oliver built were based off of the numbers that we had available because they weren't publishing the box score data for points in the paint, second chance points, et cetera. So you're basically just trying to be like, okay, they got all these rebounds. That's an advantage. It's correlated based off of uh, off of this, these things. But to me, if you're not generating points off of second chance points, I actually don't care if you're getting offensive rebounds, right? It's if you have four empty possessions, I don't think that's better. Like four empty possessions is the same as one empty possession. You still didn't score on that's any, fair. right? But they're plus 22 in second chance points, right? So that's a huge edge and you go, oh, that's going to be killing them. Just an interesting thing to kind of look at from how to understand the series. The two guys that the opponent has the most second chance points on the floor, the Pels have the most second chance points are, it's all the starters, right? So it's Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder. Uh, the Pels have over 40 points at least when those guys are on the floor in second chance points, okay? Here's what's really interesting about that. Uh, in terms of net rating for the series, amongst the actual rotation guys, against the guys that have actually played, Jay Crowder is best. Chris Paul is second best. Mikhail Bridges is not great, but it's mostly because of the bench unit. Like, here's what's really fascinating. The Pels are winning the second chance battle, and they're losing those minutes. And when they're not winning the second chance battle, they're winning those minutes. So, like, this is an interesting case of, like, how we break down a game in terms yeah. of if we look at it from the perspective we what we do is we look at the box score and go like oh look look at all the second chance points advantage they got look at all these offensive rebounds but if you don't correlate that with did you win those minutes or not then i think we're missing part of the puzzle and i'm not yeah. saying that they're not like part of this is think of it this way they're losing the starter minutes by less because of the offensive rebounds like that's a good way to look at it is yeah. okay but they would be absolutely getting killed if they didn't have this offensive points advantage and they're beating the, the depth on this team pretty badly. Brandon, I think you're right from the perspective of what this series looks like as far as like the adjustment on the defensive end. 
Because if you look at this, the last three games, these numbers are absolutely insane for the Suns. They have a 117.9 defensive rating with Jay Crowder on the floor, and that's one of the better ones. Last three games, campaign has the lowest on-court defensive rating, and we know that that's not because of campaign. That's like random variance. DeAndre Ayton has one of the better ones at 114.7. You get to Torrey Craig in the 28 minutes he has played in the last three games. The Suns, when he's on court, have a 143.5 defensive rating. The Pels are scoring scoring 1.44 points per possession with Torrey Craig Ooh. on the floor. With JaVale, it's 1.35. With Cam Johnson, Brandon, it's 1.32. That's where they're getting killed. Their offensive numbers are great. Like, Cam's got a 119 offensive rating. Jay's got a 115. Bridges has got a 117. These are all great numbers. If you're above 115 in the playoffs, you're killing it. They're getting smoked on the defensive end. And so the question I kind of have is like, all right, the Pels are winning because of the second chance points. But the defense has been better with Crowder, Bridges, et cetera, who are giving up the second chance points on court than off. So trying to figure out like what that makes of it. And look, this you could definitely accuse me of being like too much in the weeds. And that's okay. And we want to keep it simple. I'm staying away because I don't feel like I can trust the Suns right now. Their body language in game four was horrific. Like that was a team that was like, man, I don't know what to do. Like what, why are we not Superman? They are definitely a team that got smacked in the mouth after bullying everybody all year and doesn't know what to do. That's absolutely like what that team feels like right here. To me, I feel like I see a, a, there's almost like a gap in athleticism. You got Herb Jones, like shutting down half the court. Like he's Richard Sherman. Like he's playing a totally different sport. Right. <laughs> and then you got Ant. Look, I know they're not necessarily generating points when he's off with the rebounds, but I think there's a psychological effect there. And it's just like you kind of see it. It just it feels like the Suns have to stop them two, three times. And I think the big thing that we're seeing in the last couple of games is that the, the Suns can't defend without foul. They're putting them on the line every single time. Brandon Ingram is getting to the line. What do they have? Uh, almost a 40 percent free throw rate in game Four. Now, maybe that might not continue, but over the last three games, they're getting to the line more, more than the Suns. They're shooting more threes than the Suns. So, to me, Brandon says the Suns are the better team. How are they the better team at this point? They're not so, winning any. They're not winning any of the four factors except for probably effective field goal percentage. And they're getting outshot from two. They're getting but, outshot from three. The Pels are going but, to the line more. But that's been their profile during the season too. Like they've defied the four factors thing. And that's what they, that was part of why I was stuck on them all year. Cause it's like, yeah, they're not really good at the things I normally put a lot of value in. They just crush everyone in EFG on both ends. And that more than makes up for the difference. And then it's not right now. So here's what, as we're talking through this, I'm thinking on this side, if the home court advantage was flipped and it was new Orleans game five and game seven at home, how would I feel about the series? Would I still be confident that the Suns are going to come through, which I am. I still have the Suns about 75%. And I don't think that I would. So if that's the case, then am I putting too much stock in home court? But here's the counter argument to it. Things that we know that home court has a big impact on. Number one, the referees and fouls. And will the Pelicans get that kind of a whistle in Phoenix in game five? And especially in a game seven, I'm not sure that it gives me fouls. That's a big difference. Number two, it impacts the role players more than the star players. We saw, like, think about, what other than Brandon Ingram, who's been awesome in the series scoring, 
We saw Herb Jones have huge games the last couple of games. We saw Alvarado have huge moments. We saw the Pelicans role players come through for them. And we saw the Suns role players not. But now back to Phoenix, maybe those shots fall for Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder. Maybe campaign plays better at home. Like these are the guys, the role players are the guys that have the bigger swings in home road. And to me, that's where the, the series has gone away from Phoenix. The last couple of games is the fouling and the role players. So I actually do think thinking through that, that the home court is really a big factor here. And, and maybe the only reason I can still hang on to Phoenix. Uh, I do want to put this stat up though. This is the first time I'll mention it. and It's not gonna be the last uh, teams tied two two at home. The home team is 73 and 23 straight up since 2003, 76% on the money line straight up in game five against the spread that drops to 52, 43 and one 54.7% tied to at home. So we're still, we're still below that 55% mark here, um, which I think is notable here. Like the spread gets is pretty sharp in these game fives. That's still an edge because you, I mean, you only need 52.38%. So you get 54, you get a better return in the stock market. <laughs> okay. So we're inside of, of, of what Raheem feels is, is a good margin there uh, at 54%. But just be advised, it's not like the home team wins and covers. They win, but the cover rate, predictably, is a lot closer to even. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then, choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddies' contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to write it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Make sure to use promo code BUCKETS and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper and use promo code BUCKETS when you deposit. Term and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, back to the show. Second game I want to get to, we'll go in reverse order. The Minnesota Timberwolves taking on the Memphis Grizzlies at home. Grizzlies are a six and a half point favorite. This opened at seven. This opened at 233. It's now 232 and a half. In the Action Network app, you'll find that 43% of the tickets are on the Grizzlies and 52% of the money. So the public's on the Wolves. The Sharps are coming in on Memphis, minus six and a half. But, or the money is, but... We've got a reverse line movement to six and a half. So keep that in mind as we go about uh, this business. 66% of the tickets on the money liner on Memphis. And uh, based off of the number I just told you at 70, at 76%, you've got 92% of the money is coming in on the money line on the Memphis Grizzlies in this matchup. Uh, the over is getting both shares of the splits, 53% of the tickets, 64% of the money. I am only going to play this as part of like, I'm going to basically round robin the home teams in this spot and I'm going to play the Grizzlies on the money line. And that's all I'm going to be doing with this game. I might, I'm going to play the props, which we could talk about, but uh, I'm not going to go near this game. I think this series has become 
very much a variance play, Raheem. I give the edge to Memphis, but not enough to where I want to play the spread at all. And that straight up money line is not going to be attractive enough at six and a half to take them. What's your play on Memphis versus Minnesota? When I look at my model, even for the playoffs, it has Memphis at 7.2 over under 225. You still got the better half court offense with the Minnesota Timberwolves, but I, I really think the Memphis Grizzlies win this game. The way to play this to me is that whoever loses this game, you're taking the, the opposite team the following game because I think the series is going seven. Feels like Memphis wins this game, Timberwolves come back and win at home, and then anything goes for a game seven. So that's why I kind of took the Wolves to win this series um, before this game. I think if the Wolves lose, Tomorrow, I think you want to add some more on the Wolves to win this series because I have core offense in the Wolves and you have a team in the Grizzlies who they capitalize on every transition opportunity. They're running on mix. They're running on misses. And the game can kind of snowball for the Timberwolves. And I think I could see that happening here. So I'd be looking for the Grizzlies in this game, but I don't necessarily feel good about laying a six and a half. I might just have to do it just because and see this game getting away from the Timberwolves. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna bring the the word I'm not supposed to bring into the NBA in here. Are are you ready? What's up? I'm just gonna say this via Bet Labs. I know we don't do this. I understand there are not key <laughs> numbers. This is a very specific situation. So I told you 52, 43, and one teams tied two two. Okay? Brandon yeah. knows where I'm going. Brandon knows where I'm going. Four-point teasers are 68 No. Come on. Come on. Just, <laughs> just think about it. Let's, te- let's, let's think about it. No. Let's think about it. A two-game teaser. We take Suns and, and Grizzlies. We tease that down or take the alternate line. I get it. There's no – I get it. Think about the spot, though. Like, let's, let's consider the spot. We've got four games of sample. They've played to a point where they're even. The book has to respect the original model number, right? And then they're going to factor for how the the series has gone, which is why that percentage drops so much. But we see this huge edge in terms of winning the game. We take four points off of that margin. Like, think about that over the course of like a series that they just played over and over and over and over and over again. How big would a four-point differential be in point differential? Like, I get it. I I understand how bad the teasers are. I've looked at all the numbers of how bad the teasers are, but we're at 68 and 27 since 2003 here, fellas. But here's the thing. You're breaking even on that because what are you paying on that? What's the, the four point teasers? What is that? Um, a four point teaser, you're laying 110, right? So each leg has to break even 72.3% of the time. Yeah. Um, and that 68 and 27 is 71.6%. So it's not even a break-even number. Yeah, you got, Cause that's the problem. You're hitting more, but you got to hit both of them. Now you have to parlay the, these two games that we feel Damn like it. we have no Damn idea how they're going to go. You got to hit both now. Damn it. Okay. Yeah. Like at, basically adding four, like if you're assuming that each side is a 50% coin flip, adding four points to each team's spread gives each team a 66% chance of coverage. And that's, okay. that's far below the 72.3%. All right, fine. Brandon, what's your best bet on this game? <laughs> I'm with Raheem on this. I like this spot for Memphis a lot. I genuinely feel that Minnesota may have won its last game. Like I texted with you as we were watching the game. 
I, part of the reason is because I think this is a really rough spot for the Timberwolves. Go back to Memphis. Timberwolves starters all played 35 or more minutes last game. That's more than every Grizzlies player because the Grizzlies playing, playing that deeper rotation and because they were in foul trouble the entire game. And so they all had limited minutes. So now you come to Memphis, you get the crowd, you got all the emotion. We know the Timberwolves have not played well with the emotion on the road. We got the bench and the depth thing. It matters a lot more in a spot where the Wolves maybe are tired. Like, look, Carl Anthony Towns could barely get up and down the court at the end of that game. He had a huge chase down block and didn't even celebrate. He didn't even celebrate that defensive play that he made finally because he was too tired to celebrate. So just the energy, the home court, the bench and depth thing. To me, this shapes up like how we saw a game two. So my play on this is kind of actually goes the opposite of what you were saying, Matt. I actually feel like the Wolves plus 220, that's a 31% implied. I think that maybe could be a little value. If the Wolves show up, I can see it. If the Grizzlies win, I think the Grizzlies win big. So I know it didn't work for me yesterday on the Warriors, but I'm playing alternate lines here. I'm going to play Grizzlies by 10, Grizzlies by 15. I think if, if my angle is right, my angle has to be really right and that they win big and, and run away. And I can see the Wolves team, you know, somewhere, somewhere second half where it's getting away, kind of get, getting that look of like, all right, all right, well, let's, let's go home, let's get game six, and then let's get into a, a bar fight in game seven and see what we got here. This ain't it for us today. So I, I'm, I'm going to play a big Grizzlies win and play that angle. So I think my only thing here is I understand that the Grizzlies covered game three, right, after that big run. And I know they blew them out in game two. And we were all on Grizzlies game two. I think at this point in the series, though, I, I because the Wolves, they keep punching the weak points in the series. Like all those matchup advantages. Finch is doing a really good job of punching yes. them. Finch is doing a good job of doing that. D'Angelo Russell, Patrick Beverly, and Anthony <laughs> Edwards are a little bit more shaky. Cat's actually doing a pretty good job. But like they keep punching those weak points. So the question is just like, can momentum, effort, energy, home crowd, refs, you know, poise, et cetera, can that outweigh the, the Wolves just consistently being like, like I would worry in this game about it being like, man, Memphis has shot 45% from three. Um, you know, they've, they've gotten all these free throws, and this is a six-point game with under five to play. Like, I would be worried about that, but I don't, I don't mind the angle. Like, I'm not confident enough yeah. to go against you. Well, that, so, and that's the thing. I, I, if it is close late, that's why I, that's why I honestly think that like you almost, I wouldn't be opposed to you playing both ends of the spectrum. Like I actually think a close Grizzlies win is my, maybe my least likely scenario. So I don't mind if you sprinkle a little bit on the wolves to get the win, if they show up or if they don't show up, they really don't show up like, and, and you play like the alternate yeah. the other way. Just basically like betting it not to be a close game. Okay. Yeah, right. basically that, that's kind yeah. of the angle I, I see here. Okay. I have, a, I have a prop for this game. All right. What is it? Okay, so you guys, I, mean, I don't know if you guys into Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but to me, Desmond Bay looks exactly like the actor Alan Payne. And yep. there's an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where Will Smith let Alan Payne's character score because he knew he had a kid. And that's how I feel watching Desmond Bain in this series because they're just leaving him wide open from three every single time. I mean, this guy's shooting over 40% from three. I'm, I'm taking his threes over because he's just knocking down threes. His three-point prop is three and a half. So I'm going over on that. Would you like to know how that's happening? Yes. <laughs> it's the uh, job. They thing, are, right? They're blitzing job because he's the entire engine of the offense. Without yeah. the jaw on the floor, 
they don't know how to play elsewise. They are running so no. much possession data yeah. through jaw. So they're blitzing the ball handler and they've done a good job. This coaching matchup is honestly phenomenal. Both Jenkins and Finch have mm. been really good in this matchup of pushing buttons. Um, so one yeah. of the things that, that Jenkins has done is he's put Brandon Clark in, in the small man short roll. So think of it like Steph and Draymond. They blitz the ball handler, Steph, jog gets the ball either over the top or on the bounce pass to Clark on the roll. You have to bring help to stop that roll in the middle. And then Bain is either up. We talked about with the Mavericks about them being jumped up. We've talked about that a little bit on the last pod. The Grizzlies have much better spacing. So Bain's either up top or slightly on the wing. And that's how they generate all those threes. Now you can mess with that a little bit. There's things that you can do to get that timing down and stunt it to where you can mess up Clark's timing on it and buy yourself a second to recover to Bain. And I'm going to bet that they're going to try and and do a little bit of that Uh, in this one. I mean, look, if you look at this in the, in the series, like here's a really good argument for the Grizzlies to win this series. Uh, Desmond Bain has a 19.1 net rating when he's on court. They're beating the, the Timberwolves by 19.1 points when he's on the floor. They're losing by 4.5 when he's on the court. Now, Jaws numbers are really good too, but in part because of how Bain shot, uh, that is going to be a pretty good one. I don't mind the, the prop on that one. Brandon, do you have a prop on this game? Yeah, I just, I'm, gonna, I'm in with Raheem, except I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to take Bain threes over, but the same thing. It's, it's correlated. Bane threes over plus jaw points under plus jaw assists over because it, it's all the same angle. It's, I agree. They're blitzing jaw. He's not scoring. He's getting the, the pass off. All those three go together. So I had that in my notes. So I'm, I'm in on the Bane's Bane threes thing, but I think you can, you put all those together. It, I've, I played jaw on the assist over in the last two games and I'll be on that again. Bane, I, I get a little bit nervous, nervous about for a number of reasons in terms of that, the obvious adjustment angle. I do think yeah. can, you have to get it basically the hour before the game tips. That's when yeah. they'll put the deeper props up. I do think if you can find Brandon Clark PRA, that's a good one. Like they, because yeah. Clark's going to have an opportunity to, to hit those passes or score. And so like, it's just usage in those spots. I've been playing. That's one of my like heat check go-tos is just play the big man on the short roll against a team that blitzes and that's like the way to go about it final game on the night the the atlanta hawks take it on the miami heat heat are seven point favorite this total open at 218 uh it's down to 217 and a half it's staying steady at seven this is despite the fact that 76 percent of the tickets are on the miami heat only 59 percent of the money so the hawks are getting a pretty big push on the money and that's probably why this number hasn't moved is they're getting the balance between tickets and money here uh, on the balance uh, of it. The Heat are 91% on the money line. The over is getting 80% of the tickets. We don't have money in reporting on the money as of this reporting. So you got the Heat minus seven. I talked about the 2-2 series, but the other two, here's your numbers for 3-1. The home team up 3-1 straight up is 55-12. and 12. Straight up, 82.1% of the time in game five. If you are a home team, that's for favorites too. If you're a home favorite in game five, up 3 1, 55 and 12. However, ATS, the drop off is even more stark here. It drops to 31, 33, and 3 at 48.4% when you're up 3 1 at home. So against the spread, under 50% is the number. It's basically 52% for the underdog in game five on the spread. But these, these teams do not win the game. As I said, I will be on the Heat to win. I will be on the Grizzlies to win. And I will be on the Suns to win. Because this just seems like there's no reason for me to get off of those spots. 
uh, in this one. Pelicans Suns is close enough. Raheem, do you have any play on Heat or Hawks as the Heat attempt to advance to the Eastern Conference semifinal? I like the under. I mean, look, this Hawks team can't score in this series. And we all know the Heat can be inconsistent offensively. I just think this, I mean, this, this total is way too high. Like I personally, where I put this number at is, I put this at 210, I mean, for the playoffs. So Kevin Durant's getting a lot of criticism. Trey Young might be having one of the worst playoff series by All-Star I've ever seen. I mean, this guy's seven of 33 from, from three-point range. He's 16.5 points, four rebounds, six assists. I mean, this guy is totally struggling. He has 24 turnovers. I think this is one of those games that can kind of get out of hand early and the Heat can just kind of just move on and we can have garbage time early. So I'm going under on this. Brandon, what do you like? Yeah, I got the Trey Young trends too. He's at 86 offensive rating for the entire series right now. 86. That's 86 points per 100 possessions. So yeah, take the Trey under point rebound assist. He's gotten under all four games of the series. He's under all but one Heat game for the season. Take the Trey Young turnovers over. We've been playing that one. He's averaging six turnovers a game in the series. So just the the numbers haven't moved enough. You got to keep playing the number. They're, they're, they're swinging, but not far enough. And yeah, I just think we're done here. The, the Hawks have been hanging close for 40 or 44 minutes, and then they just melt down and the Heat have run away with it. We talked a lot about the home away thing. We're back in Miami and Atlanta's really struggled on the road. I debated, I said earlier, I, I like all the home teams, but can I take the points? This is the one that I feel pretty good about the points because the Heat have won this series by 10, 24, and 24. Like when they win, the Hawks have just kind of not showed up late and been like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're better. You're better. The Hawks' one win was by a point where Jimmy Bucket shot away from this just being over already in a sweep. So I think you have to like the Heat based on the evidence of the series. And that's from a guy that was back in the Hawks for really all of it until until I watched them just gonna lie down last game. So I like the heat and I like betting against Trey. Kind of interesting trend here. Uh the player with the worst net rating on the floor for the Hawks is DeAndre Hunter. They've been outscored by basically 40 points per hundred possessions when he's been on the floor. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, he leads the Hawks in scoring in the series, 17.8. The reason I bring this up is I'm trying to I always try and find like, all right, what's gonna be the desperation move? What who are you gonna like who are you gonna bench to try and win this game? Uh, the only one, I don't think you'll be able to get props on it. If you check the hour before tip-off and DeLon Wright has props, take the overs because DeLon's minutes have been really good. I don't necessarily trust McMillan to have that data considered the way that it should. But if anybody is able to get into his ear about, hey, we're playing really well when DeLon's on the floor, DeLon Wright's going to have to be the hero for the Hawks in game five, which tells you a lot about where the Heat are at. That's going to wrap it up for the workshop. We'll be back tomorrow. With another episode breaking down the Wednesday games, we'll see who's left, who's out. We'll start looking forward to the second round. We'll get you action plays, series props, all that kind of stuff. Check it out. Make sure to download the Action Network app. We're going to have Heat Check today at 3 o'clock Eastern. On Action Network HQ, you can catch Heat Check there and on YouTube, uh, breaking down best bets for both tonight and tomorrow and going forward in the NBA playoffs. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to give us the rate, review, and subscribe. For Raheem Palmer, Brandon Anderson, I'm Matt Moore. Thanks for joining us. Let's get buckets.